0: Okay, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Na ahmaduhu ala amma We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet, sallallahu Okay, so we're now in day two of our, um, of our Quran class, going through the beginnings of, of al-Fatiha and such. And I gave a bunch of suggestions yesterday on how to approach this class, the core of which is to try to take notes on everything for the simple reason that most of the terminology is already familiar with most of you, but the subtleties in the terminology in terms of how we re- how we are using them might be something new for you, even if you've studied extensively. And and then just to recap very briefly uh, uh, some of the points from from yesterday. Um, let me pull up the whiteboard. And can you all let me know if you can see the whiteboard on the screen? Yes, I'll do very good. So, one point we made yesterday is that in approaching Scripture, a central aspect of how Scripture operates is that it's telling you how reality operates. And then in the process of telling you how reality itself operates, it's also telling you how to navigate reality successfully. That's the difference between scripture versus sci-fi fantasy literature. Sci-fi fantasy literature is saying, here's how reality operates and here's a story inside. Whereas scripture is saying, here's how reality operates, meaning implied is that it may not be exactly what you think. And then here's how to navigate reality. And the easiest example of that is if you think back to the life of the prophet, may peace be upon him, that they did not have a belief that there was a life hereafter. The prophet, peace be upon him, is telling him through what he, through revelation, that your next life is a real thing and is even more real than this life. And then if you take that point a step further, it means that every action you do has a double consequence. It has an impact, a consequence in this world, but then on top of that it also has an impact in the next world as well and then we can take this even further and further and further and so the point is that the larger aspects of the islamic depiction of reality you all know meaning that you have this dunya then you die you have barzah, the condition of death and then we are rising on the day of judgment we're held to account for how we live going either to hell or to heaven and if we go to hell some people will be there temporarily until they pay off everything and then they're in heaven. And these points will also be repeating as well. But what the way we often take uh, uh, our understanding of, of scripture, meaning our primary approach in our community is not to see how to navigate reality, but instead to see what is halal, what is haram. What am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? And when you are doing that, you are reducing Islam to this little tiny bit of what it actually offers. Halal and the haram is a very important part of, of Islam, but it is not the entire picture. And, and to help understand this point further, this is a drawing you're going to see from me uh, multiple times over the course of our course, is imagine you have a couple thin rectangles here at the bottom, and then a couple really big rectangles or squares on top of them. This is Islam. So what is Islam? At the bottom, the foundation, we have your basic theology or your basic beliefs. This is a paragraph worth of material, meaning if you believe no God but God. Muhammad is a messenger of God. If you believe in the Shahada, then a consequence of that is that you believe in angels, books, messengers, divine decree, day of judgment, so forth and so on. You will believe in Allah and all of his attributes and hope to fulfill his commands and such. You other things. Basically a paragraph worth of material. And then basic law. So basic law includes the obvious things like you're supposed to speak the truth and you are supposed to make your prayers, things like that. You're supposed to fast. And what we often do in our community is make these two little rectangles huge. And so that's all we study. And those people are often the most useless people in society because they're learning all kinds of rules and doctrines that will succeed, not to empower them, but to slow themselves down. And then this big rectangle, I think that statement was too bold, I lost my mouse out here, okay. And you have this big rectangle, and these are your relationships. How do you conduct yourself with others? I mean, a simple, a simple test. When you look at your relationships, if you were to evaluate how many of those relationships do you feel like this person owes me this, that person owes me that, that person owes me that, or this person has wronged me this way, that person has wronged me that way, that person has wronged me that way. If that's your default, then your understanding of relationships is messed up, it's corrupted. Because central to the experience of relationships is what you give them. And then on the right side, it's service and justice. I always spelled service wrong. I used, to, I used to be like a spelling bee champion. Then I started learning other languages. I started hanging out with aunties and uncles you know, who had the word duh to everything, the service and the justice. Anyway, so, so the point here is that on the right side, a major portion of your Islam is how much service are you giving to others How much work are you doing of justice? The difference here between service and justice is service is feeding people. Service is giving a sadaqah, charity to people. Justice is addressing the systemic problems that are keeping people poor. And then addressing those appropriately. This is your Islam. If we go through all the Hadith, you will find a small amount, but significant amount, talking about beliefs, very small amounts. Larger amount, but still small, talking about rules. Primarily in acts of worship. Am I allowed to do this? Okay, so we'll do this on a Hajj. I sacrificed my animal before this happened. Is that okay? And you will find so much material on how the prophet conducted himself. And so much material on how the prophet is prescribing people to conduct themselves. And you'll find so much material, for example, in service, the obligations you have to your neighbor. To the point that the prophet peace be upon him said that there are so many rules or so many obligations that we have to the neighbor that I even thought that, that Allah is gonna tell me, tell us, or Jubil the islam is gonna tell us that we have to even include the neighbors in our will. And then of course, the work of justice. Yeah. So <laughs> now, why is it that there's so much focus on, on learning more and more about the two rectangles at the bottom? Because that's the feeling of like you're learning something. But it is also an escape. So another point I made yesterday is that if your learning is not leading to change or transformation, then it is probably just more entertainment and escape. But if that's what you're doing, keep doing it. It's still, until going to be of benefit. So, so then we said the the major lesson of class, as we illustrated through the ba. Of Bismillah Rahman Rahim is thus this essence of Islam is connections and relationships. I'll give you a different example of that. So things that are that are sins in our tradition are sins. Number one, because Allah Taala says that they are sins. Things that are obligations in our tradition are obligations. Why? Because Allah Taala says they're obligations. But now think of what is the effect of a sin. If I lie to you, if I betray your trust, I'm shaking or I'm breaking my relationship with you. If I'm skipping all my fasts this month for no reason, I'm breaking my relationship with Allah. Likewise, the good deeds, if I'm giving to you, to the point that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said that the believer should be giving to be giving in sadaqah all day long with every single joint and even a smile is sadaqah. Smile. Smile. Even if you're not on camera, smile. Seriously? three people are smiling? Okay, in any case. Well, hopefully some of you who are not on camera are smiling too. So so the point is that uh, then you are giving, you are strengthening a relationship. And so the essence of your practice of Islam is found in the connections. So where we left off is that the first connection to focus on is your relationship with Allah. So connection to Allah. And so now let us briefly look at Al-Fatiha to get some senses on how to have this connection. I turn that screen off and turn this other screen on. And so, let me know if you can see the uh, the, the Quran website page. Yes. Okay. So, how do I have a relationship with Allah? First step, be bismallah, bismillah. The first step is to have is to get to know His names. And I'll write all this down. To get to know His names, to get to know who He is. Another step to have a relationship with Allah is the hamd of Allah. Another step is to regard him as master. Now, all these things we actually do. But the difference here is now I want us to take them as conscious, active processes. So that's a third step. A fourth step is ibadah. A fifth step is isti'an, to seek help. So right here in the surah, we have five steps on how to develop a relationship with Allah. Okay, so let's write all these out. So go clear. go the forward. And once again, please let me know. You can see the whiteboard, just nod or something. Give me a thumbs up if you feel good about life. Give me some other code by smiling, anything. Okay. All right. So one way to get a, a, to have a connection with Allah is to know who is Allah, his names, his attributes. The Asma of Allah. Another way is humd. We'll define this as we get to it. Another way is to take him as Malik. Another way is Ibadah. Another way is Isti'an. Master. Okay. So the bulk of our class is gonna focus on, let's give these letters and numbers A, B, C, D. The bulk of our class is gonna focus on A and B uh, today and so on. So the goal is how to develop a connection with Allah. And the first step, which I believe you, you would find to be intuitive, is that the first step is just literally to get to know who is Allah. And how do you get to know who is Allah by his names? Okay. And you can't point and say, there is Allah over there. You can point and say, there is something Allah created, but how do you get to know Allah then? by the way of his names? And we had three names that are given. First name was Allah itself. Second name was arrahman Rahman. Third name was Al Rahim. I don't know if my daughter's in class right now, but she was saying yesterday that I was talking so fast. The whole class seemed like one run-on sentence. So if I'm, if I'm speaking too fast, by all means, let me know, and I'll, I'll slow down, inshallah. Okay, so there are a couple of theories about the history of the name Allah. One is that the name Allah has always been Allah. Another theory is that the name Allah is a contraction of Al-Ilah. And so, those of you who have taken Theo 295 with me, all of you are experts on this, and I won't check you. I should. In any case, so the name Allah in the the word Al-Ilah, the contraction. So, what is the understood to be the meaning of the name Allah, the one who is worshipped? Okay. Uh, here's a here's an interesting question. Uh, those of you, especially of South Asian and Central Asian background, you're familiar with the name of Khuda. What does the name Foda mean, literally? Anyone? know? And you're welcome either to type or to uh, turn off your mic. Like we say Khuda when we're referring to Allah.
1: Eba. Uh, uh, I think same thing. It's just like a Persian way of saying Allah and so the meaning is uh, the one who is worshipped. I, I don't know.
0: It's yeah, a good point. So So the literal meaning of Qudah is the one before whom there was nothing. That's what Qudah actually means. And thus, yeah, it is referring to Allah. Now, Al-Ilah. When we're speaking of the name of the word Al Ilah, you're familiar with the word Ilah, because we say La Ilaha Illallah. There is no God, lowercase g, but Allah, God, capital G. So I'm going to give you a couple of definitions here of the meaning of the word Ilah. So whatever it is you rely upon in your core, above all else, fulfill any basic innate needs. One is to take you out of danger and to put you or keep you into safety. Whatever it is you rely upon, above everything else, to keep you into safety. And when you're not in safety, to take you back into safety. Uh, yeah, Well.
1: So this screen uh, will also be shared in the, with the recording?
0: Yeah, Inshallah. I'm going to, um, for those who, who, who came in late, i uh, this is the link. If and that's
1: the case, so if you could please put a one slash two slash three for today's or, or however, just to keep track.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll try to do that. So just to make it easier to understand. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll try to do that too. Okay. So so that link is where I'll record, uh, I'll upload the links for the sound, uh, the, the audio recordings and then also the, all these whiteboard notes and such. Yeah. Nevertheless, all of you should still take notes especially in case I forget to save these. So whatever it is you rely upon to take you from danger into safety. And the idea here is that imagine you are going camping and think of what you would take with yourself uh, for, for purposes of safety. You might take a knife, you might take a tent, you might take a flashlight, bug spray, cell phone, money, in case you know a bear comes in, you can bribe the bear. Uh, you might take a gun. You know whatever it is that you might keep with you. Now imagine there's a huge rainstorm, and you lose everything. And you're in the middle of the forest, and you're looking up trying to figure out where the where the sun is to figure out which way is north. And you're walking, using your instincts, and then you realize that for the last 12 hours you've been walking in a big circle. So you're realizing even your intellect is not going to work for you. Then what do you rely upon? For some people, their ilah might be their intellect. Or higher than that, it might be luck. You're just hoping somebody's going to walk by. This is where you find what you take as an ilah. So ideally, that is where Allah is. You're praying to Allah from start to finish, but especially after you lose everything else, you do not fall into despair. So one basic need is whatever it is you're relying upon to take you from danger to safety. Another is whatever it is, whomever it is, you're relying upon to take you from despair into hope. In the way, in our society, a lot of people will turn to alcohol to take them out of despair. And then you and I know that that departure from from despair is temporary because eventually the, uh, the intoxication is going to go away. whatever it is you're relying upon to take you from confusion into clarity. This is especially relevant now with the amount of fake news and different news stories that are being bombarded in a perfect example of that is the history of COVID and the vaccines related to COVID. I mean, people who are normally smart people are also raising questions, okay, hey, you know, is this vaccine, is this going to make me grow a second arm or third arm or something? This Is is this safe or not? No. And, and a point that we'll see is that built into all this is the idea of trust, that built into the idea of connections is trust. So what are you trusting to take you out of confusion and to put you into clarity? Naturally, your intellect will be part of it, but your intellect will also not be sufficient, potentially in some cases. Yeah. Whatever it is you're relying upon above all else for comfort, the way a baby relies upon mom for comfort. And whatever it is you are turning to for worship. And so worship is one of those words that's a little bit hard to define. We might speak of praise, we might speak of obedience, all that's part of worship. The word ibadah, the literal translation, is to give your most extreme love. Meaning everyone gives their most extreme love to something. Everyone surrenders to something. So I can self-identify as an atheist. And it could be that I'm actually surrendering to my intellect. It could be that I'm surrendering to my baser appetites. Well, likewise, I could identify as a Muslim, but if you look at the way I conduct myself, if you look at what's going on in my heart, maybe I'm not actually worshiping Allah. Maybe I'm the one who's worshiping my baser appetites. So there's a difference between what I'm claiming versus what I actually am. And so whatever I take as an ilah is not necessarily what I'm claiming to take as an ilah. What am I really turning to? So these are essentially five basic human needs. And we can make this list 20 items too. These are the five that I like to, uh, I like to use most often because they tend to be know, promising. And so in terms of the name Allah, one understanding is that the name Allah has always just been Allah, the one who is worshipped. Another understanding of the name Allah is that it is a contraction of Al-ilah, and these are some meanings of the word ilah. So how do I get closer to Allah? One way is by the names, and to reflect upon what do these names mean, especially in my own life. So for example, how well or poorly do I take Allah as my ila is a test for myself for which we're going to give some more uh little details or answers to as we go through the material over the course of the semester as you say over the course of the month okay. and again uh by all means if anyone has any questions feel free to un or feel free to unmute or feel free to type them into the chat box inshallah and if uh, there are immediate questions, I'll answer them immediately. Okay. Uh, Iqbal, were you about to ask another question? You just got bumped to the top of my screen for some reason. Okay, no,
1: I'm good.
0: Okay, okay very good. well. all right, the next two names that were given is Ar Rahman and Ar Raheem, which you all know. I mean, to put it in perspective, the name Allah. Uh, a couple more points about it. <laughs> It is the most repeated word in the entire Quran. Not including, for example, conjunctions like wa. Okay. Uh, and we also call this al love al jalala the most majestic utterance. And so I'll even type this out, the most majestic. Meaning there is nothing in the English language I don't want to say English language, but there's nothing in any language that I can say that is more majestic than the name Allah. What's also interesting, this is a side point uh, is that if you compare this in Judaism, the most sacred name in Judaism, the most sacred name of God, you cannot say because it is so sacred. But here in Islam we're saying the most sacred name of them all, the name of Allah is so sacred that you should say this more than anything else. Okay. And you can reflect on what are the consequences of those two differences, inshallah. The one question I received, any suggestions on how to reflect on the names, what questions we can ask? Okay, that'll come to you in just a moment with the with today's homework assignment, inshallah. And so, so those are a couple of points about the name of Allah also. Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. Let's put this in a and another screen here. So further names, attributes. attributes. We have this attribute of Rahma. So uh, to your question that I just received, Rahma comes from womb. Womb, the word for womb, raham. from from the same root that Rahmah comes from. Yes, exactly. So so some questions you all don't see because they're being sent directly to me, which is fine. So Rahmah has two parts to it, and we usually remember one part. One part is mercy, but the other part is intimacy. So for example... Here is Allah, here is me. Allah is sending rahma down to me. And there's a cause and, and an intended effect here. Okay. So Allah is giving me Rahmah, he's giving me ease. He's making my life easier, how? could be the light that is above the ceiling. It could be the fact that this computer is working, mashallah. It could be the sun that's in the sky, mashallah. It could be my health, mashallah, for all these things. Yeah. But then how does it become intimacy with how do I respond? Either I respond with gratitude which shukr. What would be the opposite? If I'm responding with ingratitude, meaning I'm not acknowledging what Allah is giving me, or I'm refusing to acknowledge what Allah is giving me, or I'm refusing to acknowledge that it's coming from Allah, what word would you use for that in Arabic? The opposite of shukar. Anybody? So, so, yes so so the point here is we're going to see a number of definitions of this word kufr over the course of of these these classes inshallah the first definition is ingratitude now think of it also as a spectrum that at one end you have gratitude at the other end you have ingratitude you can also be at a point in the middle where you neither have ingratitude nor gratitude you can also be there, and so so to just to help you visualize this point. So, in terms of gratitude, you could be increasingly on the side of shukuk, you could be increasingly on the side of kuf, or you could be at a zero point where you're doing neither so lack of gratitude does not automatically mean ingratitude ingratitude includes rejection but maybe you just don't know or maybe you're just not thinking about it okay so so this is mercy that mercy becomes full rahma when it has intimacy and when does it develop intimacy when the recipient responds with gratitude. Because now I'm realizing the sunlight, the light, the computer power, my health, mashallah, 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 are coming from Allah. So now I'm directing myself, I'm orienting myself automatically to Allah. In terms of the literal meanings of the words Rahman and Rahim, Rahman is the highest in mercy, Rahim is the eternal in mercy. And then commentators say, when you find them both together in the Quran, the analogy of Rahman is like the analogy of rain. And the analogy of Rahim is like the analogy of a mother's love for her child. So what is rain, Rahman, that there is an aspect of Allah's mercy that is for everybody, regardless of how good or bad they are as people like rain, like the sunlight. Or the sunlight just doesn't just land on believers, right? And Rahim, we said, is like a mother's love for her child. So imagine a mother is babysitting five children in addition to her own child. She will love all six children, but she's not gonna love the other five the way she loves her own child. And so what we're saying with Rahim, eternal mercy, there's some people who are not gonna be getting eternal mercy. And deeper than that, we're saying that the relationship of rahma that Allah has with each creation is different than the next creation. Meaning, the relationship of rahma that Allah has with Iqbal is different than the relationship He has of rahma with me, which is different than the relationship He has with Alina, which is different than the relationship He has with Aiza, and then different than the relationship He has with Basir. Right? That with each of us, it's unique relationship of Rahman. Now think about what else we're saying then. That in terms of focus, Allah is giving me 100% focus for the entirety of my existence. That right now for each and every one of you, Allah is giving you 100% focus throughout the entirety of this class, throughout the entirety of this day, throughout the entirety of your existence. So that is Rahman and Rahim. So those of you who, who volunteer for homework assignments, this is today's homework assignment. Yesterday, the homework assignment, I can repeat, and if you need me to repeat again, let me know, is for those of you who are ambitious, uh, list out your 25 primary relationships and then categorize them in order, like in concentric circles, who's closest to you, who's second closest, so forth and so on. And then evaluate each relationship for what you need to improve upon. That's yesterday's homework assignment. Today's homework assignment is to memorize the 99 names of Allah right now just memorize the words not even necessarily the meanings so, and those of you who want to as you're working on these homework assignments stay in touch with me directly and we can customize further homework assignments for more and more benefit for you inshallah okay uh, all of you seem to be a bit more active than the uh, than the five o'clock class um, so maybe it's because you're all a bit closer to iftar. those of you who not yet hit, it. Yeah, hit a star. Uh, does anyone have any questions about anything at all? I have a quick question. Neither.
1: Yes. Um, so, my question is how does your explanation of the Dean as these four rectangles compare to um, what I would have maybe traditionally understood as? Islam,
0: Iman, Ihsan. Oh, that we will see. Uh, It's essentially the same thing uh, as we see as we discuss Islam, Iman, Ihsan a little bit later. Okay, thank you. What you'll find is that uh, Islam, Iman, Ihsan, those of you who are not familiar with it, don't worry about it right now, Um, informs much of my whole understanding of the organization of the deen. Good question. Any other questions about anything at all?
1: So, Omar, so, uh, uh, so last part, I didn't quite understand that, uh, so Allah is the, the whole, uh, is that uh, the, the last thing that you mentioned, that everything is for everybody, full attention uh, of Allah, Yeah. can you elaborate that one, please?
0: Okay, sure, sure. So, we have two attributes of Rahman, right? One is Rahman, one Ar-Rahman, one is Ar-Rahim, yeah? And, and the Kuffar of Mecca did not believe that Allah is Ar-Rahman. Because what was the understanding of Ar-Rahman? That he gives Rahman to everyone. An example of that is the light of the sun that goes and lands on everyone. Or if it's raining, it's landing on everybody. And the Kufar didn't believe that because they said, okay, what about all these poor people? Where's God's mercy there? What about all these weak people? Where's God's mercy there? And so, the first part to understand is Rahman, one way it's commonly understood, especially when it's paired with Rahim, is that there's an aspect of Allah's mercy that lands on everybody. Muslim, Mu'min, Mu'nafik, Ka'fir, uh, Fasik, everybody. Okay, so you understand that part so far, yeah? Yes. That'd be good. Rahim, we said, is like a mother's love for her child and so a mother is taking care of six children one is her own child but she loves all six children and she's taking care of all of them but her own child she loves in a very different way and so the point we're making here is that Allah has a unique relationship of Rahmah with you which is different than his relationship of rahma with me and the easiest way to look at it is just look at your biography and my biography throughout my life he's given me these things throughout your life he's given you those things and, and so does that part make sense so far? Yes. Okay. So the last part I'm saying is the fact that Allah has a unique relationship of Rahmah with you. We're also saying that he is giving you 100% focus, 100% attention in your whole life, whether or not you're paying attention. That every single thing that is happening in your life is willfully by allah giving special attention to you at the same time he is giving me 100 percent attention make sense Yep. yeah so that was that was essentially the point i probably spoke it all too quickly so it probably got confusing mm-hmm. any other questions about anything at all no other questions Okay, so everybody, uh, inshallah, has the link. Can I ask a question? Go for it. Okay, so you said uh, you said that Kufar made this point. Is there any? I know there are other passages that would explain it, but uh, is that directly addressed? Uh, like why some people are poor and why some are? Well, I mean, the, the short answer: Why do some people? Why are people given different amounts of wealth? Why are people given different amounts of life? Different amounts of health? The shortest answer is that it's Allah's will. And then what's the answer we give off and above that, which is a correct answer is, this is the test that Allah is giving. And he's giving you a different test than he's giving me. Right. But we often don't talk about is how to pass the tests that'll be over the course of these next few weeks, inshallah. Make sense? Yes, yes. Any other questions? Oh, uh, so, uh, uh, so one question I'm receiving is, should these homeworks be done by the next day? So memorizing the names of Allah, I'd say give yourself a deadline. So there's 99 of them. So one a day is good, two a week is good, but make sure you're consistently doing it. And then the, uh, because I'll be adding more and more homework, do try to get them started as soon as you can. Of course, as we get closer to finals, a lot of the students here will have difficulties. So keep them on your list of things to do, inshallah. Uh, someone else was, was, was raising a question. So
1: uh, this is Iqbal again. So yes. from the, from yesterday's class, uh, I understood the uh, uh, Juma part, but I didn't understand the Adiyat and the Jockey part. So if you could please uh, elaborate. Yeah.
0: So so the metaphor we had in Surat al juma is the metaphor of the donkey carrying books. And the metaphor we have in Surat al-Adiyat is the Adiyat, which is these, uh, these race horses, these horses that are just running at full speed. And you and I have the option to be either the one or the other and which one we're going to be as a consequence of how do we embody the knowledge we receive. So if I'm taking in all this knowledge, but I'm not practicing it, it means that I am still being the same person that I am. And I'm still living the life the same way I want to, which means I'm basically a donkey carrying more and more books. What should be the consequence of the acquisition of Islamic knowledge? What should Islamic knowledge make happen to me? It should increase me in my connection to Allah. If it is not happening, either there's something wrong with the teacher, the knowledge, or the student. And so I'm happy to take the blame. But, um, but the point is that uh, the more Islamic knowledge I have, the more it should make me obedient to Allah, like the racehorse. Because what happens when you when you have a jockey on a race horse, the jockey is telling the horse to go faster and faster and faster and faster, and the horse, as long as it's able, it's going to keep going faster, even if it's going to get a heart attack. And, and if the jockey says stop, the horse is going to stop immediately. That is the goal of what we are trying to be in our relationship with Allah. Make sense. Certainly. Any other questions? So one question, I missed my 5 p.m. class. Will I get a copy of that to go through later? Uh, yeah, so that'll be in the link. And I'll email this link to, to everyone else as well, inshallah. Uh, any other questions? Any other questions? All righty, So So the goal again is usually, usually give or take a 30-minute lesson might be as low as 25 minutes, might be 35 minutes, and all questions are welcome. In some cases, the questions might be postponed or might be delayed or directed to something outside of class. Okay. Subhanakallahumma, bihamdika nashadu illa anta, anta, nastafirukha na tubui lake. Subhanakallahumma, glory to you, O Allah. bihamdika, praise and gratitude are to you. Nashadu illa ilaha illa anta, we bear witness there is no God but you. Nastafirukha, we seek your forgiveness. Wabi lake. Subhanakallahumma, bihamdika nashadu illa ila anta, nastafirukha wa tubu lake. May will reward you all, inshallah. <laughs>